Welcome back, everyone, to Random Thoughts. I'm wife. And I'm husband. And we have a special guest today. Special guest, who are you? I'm William Logan Dyer. I'm the admin of RetroWow and the guy who wants to play more card games, so he decided to uh, make that happen. <laughs> well, by now, I would assume most of our listeners out there know who you are, and if they don't, well, head on over to the Facebook group or check it out on since you've been posting a lot more in the Discord as well, as of late, or at least leading up to this year's event. Yeah, leading up. I, ha I haven't done much WoW at all in the last couple of weeks, because I was kind of taking a break. Uh, That's acceptable. You put in a lot of work. It's allowed every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, well, it was more just that I was super busy right after the con, and right. some people already know about that, so I won't go into the details. Okay. Well, speaking of other details that came up after the con, and I, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more later, but just to bring it out at the front of the show, you had recently put out a call on the Facebook group, and presumably in other areas, because we're looking at some other new sets, right? Right. Well, my intention is to do another sort of expansion-style release um, that will come out around the same time this next year that we had the official Mist of Pandaria, so spring, summer, somewhere in there. Um, you know, well before Gen Con, at least. Um, and I put out the call because uh, this is going to try, we're going to try and do something a lot more substantial. Mists was like a very bare bones go at getting monks into the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and this next set will have a little more than that. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm super excited for it. Um... It seems like you're getting the beginnings of a good group together. Um, I don't know if you are still looking for people, but we can put this as a call as well if people want to help. I um, will definitely uh, entertain thoughts uh, on, on anybody. Uh, you know, I'm, I see my role primarily as like um, manager more than anything. Exactly. So it's just to try and find people who seem like they'll be a good team member and get them all connected and. Uh, I'll probably be on the design team, but I don't know that uh, I'll be able to dedicate as much time to doing design as I did last time. Totally acceptable and understandable, because you did a lot of work last time, and um, can we like roll it back to Gen Con just a second? Those cards, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the, so uh, the participation prizes or participation promo definitely turned out really well. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, it it uh, it met my expectations. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, it was. We were really excited when we opened those. Yeah, it was something that I, I don't remember if you had mentioned it leading up to the event, but I was not expecting it. So when you walked around and handed us the cards, I was kind of taken aback for a moment. I was saying, "Wait a minute, what is this?" Yeah, it, it was in my uh, post about like you know making sure everybody was up to date on rules stuff and everything, but it was only one of a laundry list of things that I was talking about going into that. Right. Big announcement, so it was pretty easy to miss. Right, yeah. right. So, was that something that you had had planned all along? Obviously, it was in that post, but was, I guess the, the question I really want answered is, was it always going to be that card? Yeah, uh, it just seemed to be in keeping with the, the style of Cryptozoic and UDE to have the promo be a big, stompy dude. Right. Uh, like, so, Lishin... Uh, just seems like the natural choice. He, you know, and he also does the job. He has a new keyword on him. He's one of the new race cards. Uh, and he also plays pretty significantly into the monk mechanics. So, like, right. he, he's pretty much, to me, he's the poster child for the set, even if he's not, I think, the, the most powerful card in the set. And that makes sense. I think the only other one in my mind that would be up there would be Chen. Just because, well, it's Chen. That's because you right. have a small love affair with Chen, <laughs> and you you know it. But you I agree it. with you that it makes sense as Lei Shen for basically that that checklist that you just had. It right. it does hit all those boxes, and it, it like I said, it turned out great. It looks fantastic as a physical item. Yeah, sure. And I'm intending on having those available like up through next year, so. I'll get some more sent to the guys who are going to be at Origins and any other cons that people want to make sure that they can get them out if they want to. Great. Um, 
And, uh, you know, you mentioned Chen, which we used the art from Chen on the Champion Toy Mask. So. Yes. Which also turned out as fantastic as they looked online. Yeah, really the picture of Woodrow, our now reigning champion, holding it looks great. Yeah, I, I think so too. And not, you know, don't leave out Patrick, you want to, which, you know, yes. is my lot of fair, so. <laughs> yeah, one day we'll have time to play Cube at Gen Con. Well, one spe- day. speaking of Cube, so I guess we might as well dive into it. What are your thoughts on the various events? How did they turn out? Any. Lessons learned. I guess we'll start with Cube since we were just talking about it. Uh, I think they both turned out great. Uh, the Cube event on Thursday, um, I, I liked the time that uh, I settled on for that. Um, if anything, I might move it up just a little earlier in the day. But uh, you know, it was it was planned to work around other events like the Harry Potter uh, revival group with Stefan uh, and. Uh, you know, we, we had a full pod with my 12. It was very, it was very much in flux up to the last moments before we started how many people we were going to have. Okay. You know, at one point it looked like we were going to have like 16 people and we were going to be dashing to go get more cards because my default cube only covers 12 to start. And then it looked like it was going to go down to 10 and then it went to 12. So, uh, and you know, really just because of the way it ended up so wonky right there at the end. We had one giant pod of 12 drafters instead of <laughs> going, oh, wait, let's split it into two sixes. <laughs> that might be it. I had set everybody down for 10 players. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't want to split it into two fives. Um, but then I had somebody who had a pre-bought ticket come in. It was like 15 minutes after official start. And I said, yeah, sit down. I was still doing a, you know, a reminder on rules and stuff and drafting. And so then I sat down across from him so that there wouldn't be any buys. Okay. Uh, which, you know, pro of that is I got to play, too, which I'm always for, even if I, I got stomped in round two this time around. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, just trying to get everything launched. I didn't want to delay any longer, so I didn't really take the time to think about it and go, oh, I can, I can do this more elegantly. <laughs> but we still got it done. Um, surprisingly, we didn't have too much trouble with people overlapping on classes. Oh, that's um, good. So, uh, everybody, after a little bit of technical difficulties, we're back again. We were just talking about Cube, and you were saying that even though you might have, in hindsight, made a couple changes to the way the pods worked, everything turned out pretty well? Oh, yeah. Um, We got a good split on different deck types. Um, I had somebody who tried to draft in for Pinprick, and it didn't work out for him, which is a real bummer. (laughs) Did he just Uh, not get enough playables, or what happened? No, he only ended up with, like, 23 for Pinprick, so oh, no. building a mage instead. That's so sad. That's rough. One day. <laughs> Although, I, I guess for everybody's sake, it's probably better that it didn't work out. Because I would imagine pin, Implode Pinprick would run the table. Well, certainly uh, Patrick wouldn't have won, I don't think. Because I don't think the Deathwish deck could have beaten it. Unless he had multiple heroic throws or something, I have a hard no, time I thinking. I a single two, so... Okay. I'm uh, not even... I mean, I'm sure there's other... Like, if there was a hailstorm or something, like, he could have... He, there are ways, but it's probably going to be super hard. There are outs. Uh, you know, we had a Shaman at the table and a Druid. They probably would have been okay. Right. So, um, I guess, so the cube event went really well, and like you said, one day, one day. Um, but then for the main events, the Retro WoW Championship on Friday, you want to give us your thoughts, what you, or like a little rundown? Sure. Um, so, the number one thing, same thing as last year, I really want to get more people, uh, like, my, my target is to keep I want to try and keep doubling. You know, I feel like if we can hit a hundred players in a couple of years, <laughs> that that would be enough to get somebody who has licenses to notice. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like Mateo. I can't consider buying the license to the game that I love that's out of print. So yeah, right. I feel like that would be a little hefty. Um, but uh, you know. I 
said in the past, and maybe I'll write something up so that there's like a record of it online where anybody can search it. Got to get that SEO going. Uh, <laughs> about like, I think there's a real place for the old TCG to be a cross promotional with Hearthstone. Right. Um, because Hearthstone isn't a game that you can print physically because of the way they've chosen to make certain mechanics work. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be super easy to make an LCG out of the old cards where you just print everything that you already have so you've got years of release material without ever doing any new design work. Um, and, you know, the, the thing you promote with is, like, you can get dust for your Hearthstone account or maybe some special release promos, something like that. And I think they could sell a lot of uh, very cheap to produce boxes of cardboard. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, obviously... The game was conceived with loot cards, so that that sort of idea already exists, and other CCGs such as Pokemon TCG already do something similar, where it's hey, you open your pack of cards and you get an online code or whatever else. It yeah. seems like, and I agree with you that there is potential there. Yeah, you just have to have players that it looks like it's uh, economically feasible. Of course, because they do ultimately have to sell the cardboard, because otherwise everyone's going to go well. Why don't I just buy it on my phone? Yeah. Fair point, though. There were a lot of people who bought a ton of boxes of WoW just to get loot cards. So that is very true. true. Which they we were. Those of us that were playing the game were very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that helped us a lot, and it still helps us a lot. People are like, oh, I bought, the, I bought this card, this box years ago to get the loot, um, and now I'm finally getting rid of all this stuff in the basement. Here's like. You know, 2,000 cards for 50 bucks. Okay. I'm yeah, sure. I wish that I could buy some cherry-picked boxes of uh, Rain of Fire. Yeah. Just because it's like, I know that you found the God Packs. I don't care. I want it for drafting. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's funny because... People are still selling even the cherry-picked packs for hundreds of dollars because there's still a chance that there's like one rare loot card. Right. You would think by now that a lot of them would have been cracked already, and a lot of the singles at least would come down in price, but even some of the the named items, like, you know, like Frostmourne or Doomhammer, are still kind of pricey from that set, just because I guess somebody somewhere is, is swimming in their giant mountain of Reign of Fire packs, I don't know. Well, there was only one printing team. Yes. So it, it is the least available of all of the expansions. Yes. Definitely. Um, so, with the event, we had how many? Uh, Twelve? I want to say twelve. I have right. to look at notes. That's fine. We're going to go with twelve. It sounds, sounds about like right. like a nice number. I like a dozen. Um, so, was there anything that really stood out to you, um, about the, about, like, people's deaths or something you weren't expecting? Uh, nobody played combo, which was very surprising to me. So okay with that? <laughs> Yeah. So okay Although to be fair, if we talk about Nathan's uh, deck where it drops out a brawl and recurred like that kinda edges toward aggro combo. It's it's the beginning. Sure. It's the beginning. It feels It's combo in the same way that Dredge is combo. Kinda. I was gonna go with Food Chain Goblins, but I guess less I mean Food Chain can do it repeatedly. Yeah, Food Chain can go arbitrarily into so. Right. So it's not quite there, but it does feel combo-y, because you can just randomly, and as we saw, what was it, turn two of game two in the finals, where he just went, oops, I guess I win? <laughs> yeah, he had, uh, it was either two or three Twilight Vanquisher Nolans, and turned them into Thrall, which, of course, Thrall brought back one of the Nolans, so he had a third Nolan. So on turn two. it's funny that since I w did not do well this year and I was watching it from the sidelines, it's hilarious on the outside looking in. I'm sure it was much less hilarious on the opposite side of the table, but it was really cool <laughs> for that to happen. Sure. Well, and the deck is fairly high variance. So right. Like, I, I think that that's just something you got to take as you go and... Woodrow did it, and he ended up winning game three, so he took the whole thing home. Yep. So I'm sure he didn't feel too bad about that. Yeah, exactly. That was exciting. Yeah, I definitely want to try and get Nathan on the show to discuss his build, too, because it's an idea that I've always, since I was playing Zombie Go, I've always liked Fell Trade. It seems to have a lot of power packed into a very low-cost card, but 
it's an idea that I also was toying with. The thralls kind of put it over the top. Now, you know, there was a Feltrade deck that saw a little bit of play um, back before Worldbreaker came out um, using the Innerheim Chosen Warriors. Yes, in, that was, in a Scourge Warlock deck. Yeah, I, that's exactly it. Yeah, that zombie. Make me play that? Or no, I played play play that, that in Nationals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah which was <laughs> the short story. It ended up taking me to day two, and I ended up being placed at a, at a table with Tim Rivera for drafting. But uh, I distinctly remember fell trading out of Varian and then still losing to Spider Solitaire, despite my opponent face-checking the Varian because they, and doing no damage because they had minus, you know, a gazillion. Right. And Spider Solitaire just goes, ah, I, I don't really care. <laughs> just burned you out with Arukas and Tones, well, I guess. Yeah, he eventually removed Varian, I don't remember how, but it was, I was trying to figure out what he was doing, and by the time I realized it was, oh, I guess we're shuffling up to the next game. And I was playing two cats, because it was better. <laughs> um, I miss, so, on a different note, um, there is a high chance that I might make you share, if we can get Gen Con to happen next year, I might make you share a WoW event, and I might run one of Tupac. I just want to bring it back. I just want sure, to bring it back. Sure, that sounds great. I miss Tupac more than anything. If we can, yeah, we, we got to figure out the logistics, but that's a I little know. while out. I know, but <laughs> I was like daydreaming about it today on the train, and I was like, I miss Tupac. We've actually, every other game that we played, games that are still active, so Lightseekers, for example, every time that I talk to any of the designers, any of the tournament organizers or anything, I bring up Tupac and try and explain to them the old employee events that Upper Deck and Cryptozoic would do. It was like you would hunt down um, the employees from Cryptozoic. So they would each be in and they would have loot box. They would have loot with them. Like it might be um, like what I won this year with Sylvanas final top and screw you all I still love her um and or like things like that or maybe it was like a signed card from one of the designers something like that and so it'd be like if you design Twilight Vanquisher Nolan take 55 damage or um one yeah of, they had like, one of the so like Patrick Sullivan would would have emceed the event and he would just walk around with a microphone and try and single out other Cryptozoic or, or Upper Deck or whichever company was running at the time, employees, and try and handicap them so that everybody was having a good time and they could give away stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I remember those. I don't think I ever really got to participate in them too much. I think we only got to do a couple ourselves, but they were a blast every time that we did them. I think I did one at every major event. Like, I remember doing one in... Uh, Baltimore, Atlanta, and I know I did one in Vegas. Okay, and I was—I think I only did the one in Atlanta, but yeah. In any case, enough of a history lesson. So yeah, back to right. anyway, back to the event to um, this year. So any other thoughts on how the event went? Any things that you might want to do for next year, or any high-level things along those lines? Uh, well, the the biggest thing is that I I want to find some piece of equipment I'm happy with to make sure that I can do um, video coverage next year. Okay. Um, that's like kind of a, a blind spot so far, um, and I want to rectify that. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, video at Gen Con is definitely hard, especially the first couple years, to get set up and all that, because um, connection there is pretty terrible, so it'll probably never be live, but... Yeah, I saw a couple years ago the uh, Upper Deck team for Burst. They were at, they were live streaming it, presumably because they had their own room. They had a dedicated connection. But I could definitely see a reasonable setup run through a laptop just to record everything off of a, a relatively inexpensive webcam. And then I think that would be great for people following because I did definitely see in a few different areas, social media-wise, people had, oh, were there videos of the event? Yeah, that's true. Um, so anything else you're, uh, looking forward to this year? Any final, actually, let's bring it back. Sorry. Any final thoughts about like the whole of Gen Con or whole Gen Con in general or anything like that? Um, I guess just, I wish I could have stayed all four days. Yeah, I, I can understand that. 
Um, as tired as we were afterwards, I wish we had more than four days. But I don't know <laughs> if I would have survived um, more than four days. I almost died on the way home. You it say every happened. year that you want to do one of the all-night events. Every I know, year. I know. But you know what? I am old. <laughs> I am old now, and I am recognizing my physical limitations. And staying up until 2 a.m. is my, one of my physical limitations. The first year I went to Gen Con, I was a junior in high school, um, 15 years old. And before getting there, I had purchased tickets for enough events that I was, like, scheduled to be doing something, like, 14 out of every 24 hours that I was there. Oh, Lord. Uh, you know, and, and not including anything for, like, travel time or meals. Yeah. And I was so destroyed by the end of, like, Friday morning, because when I quit on Thursday, it was Friday morning. <laughs> that I just like went over and returned most of my event tickets. I kept like a PT, I kept a couple of PTQ tickets for Magic, and uh, I kept uh, what else did I keep? Not much. I think maybe like a painting event for miniatures. That's acceptable. Now, to be fair, that was what my Friday was. I think I was 17 hours straight of events. We had and I did very die. You know, a fifteen-year-old hormone-addled boy to have the excuse this of not having all your faculties about you. No, I'm just a crazy person who really likes everything that runs on Friday. Apparently. Yeah. Um, well, we we don't get as many vacation days as we'd like, so we got to get it in while we can. Squeeze every last second out of it. Right. So, uh, moving on a little bit from Gen Con, we had spoken earlier about that. There is a new set that you're going to be working on. There's still a call out. Presumably it's still so early in development you don't want to spoil anything. But do you have anything else planned out for RetroWow for the remainder of either 2018 or early 2019? Well, I've had a couple of guys working on a raid deck. And Ooh. I think at this point we can comfortably say what it is, um, which is a new take on Icecraft Citadel. Uh, basically, we came to the conclusion that the existing Icecraft Citadel raid is so underwhelming yes, that we wanted to do a new, real raid version of it. Nice. And uh, alongside that, we're doing a little treasure subset, which will be cards that are legal for retro models. That was going to be and, my next question. <laughs> and, and they're going to be a selection of uh, talent equipment for classes besides Monk. Awesome. I think that's a, a really nice way or a very interesting way to take it so that you can still get that treasure flavorful feel, but also simultaneously limit the scope on it so that, you know, not introducing something that's going to throw everything out of whack. Yeah, and if I can find a, a satisfactory printer for doing foils, I'll probably do like a giveaway on the, uh, on the group for uh, foil versions of those, I think. That is very exciting. Because yeah. there's a there is a huge community out there that still runs the raids religiously. For example, the group in Texas that we've spoken with before when they were running their four events, they had indicated, and I think they had live streamed following it some of their raid nights. And I know we always try and con our friends into it, so that's really exciting. Yeah, hopefully people enjoy it. Um, we're trying to strike a balance between the like power level and challenges of the later raids and the more elegant uh, fun that was present in the first couple of, like, uh, multi-core. Right. So are you, and I don't know if you can tell us yet, are you planning on doing a player-run raid, or is this a the raid runs itself? Uh, we pretty much dislike all of the autopilot raids, so this is, this is raid boss player. Okay. So you get to be evil again. Congratulations. Well, somebody's got to do it. It's a tough job. It's just so much easier to design a compelling play experience when you don't have to uh, make the game run itself. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to create a game where there is a obvious set of optimal choices when the uh, experience is driven by um, the linear logic of the uh, program instead of a 
into a machine like a person. Mm-hmm. So that's super exciting. Um, is there anything else on your dot? I mean, you you're, sounded like you got a pretty full docket as it is for uh, what's coming up. Anything else that you want to talk about? Um, not really. I guess I could give just some little stuff that will definitely be in the uh, big expansion. Um, which one of the overarching attempts is that we're going to be trying to uh, touch on some previously like underplayed or underpowered archetype stuff that was like you know one or two cards away from being good. Okay. Um, I always and, like the things that are one or two cards away from being good, so that's exciting for me. Uh, and then I do have. Uh, Reese Hedriga, who did some art for Mystic Pandaria. Uh, he is working on a, uh, I guess I'll call it a prestige piece that'll be central um, to the set. I, I think it'll be central to the set if we end up doing uh, Demon Hunters in the set like I'm currently planning, but I'm not, I'm not totally set in stone on that, so it might not get used yet. Okay. Um, but this will be something that we're looking for to be like a, uh, a piece of art that we can use on like a, a playback the same way we did with Storm Stout. Awesome. Well, that sounds really exciting. So you had mentioned that you were targeting the new set sometime spring slash early summer of next year. For the Raid deck, did you have a target in mind for when? Are you trying to coincide the releases there? I'm hoping that we can get the Raid deck done in like December, um, art assets will probably be the hold up on that one. We're going to do our best to recycle what we can from the existing Icecraft Citadel raid uh, to, to reduce that burden somewhat. Uh, and the other thing that helps is that we don't have to we don't have to test the raid itself as rigorously as we might test some other things for balance, which right. we'll be testing the equipment for balance. But, you know, that's going to be a very small number of cards, and each one of them, like, there's no overlap between them. Like, there literally can't be any overlap between them, because they're all going to have a talent stack on them. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's going to help us in, in testing those to see if any unfortunate interactions come up that we need to go back and rebuild all for. Got it. And that makes sense. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to both of these, because, yeah. I mean, aside from just, in general, new content excitement, it's the nature of this specific content. Because I agree with you. The original Ice Crown Citadel raid was um, I remember unfortunate. We were so so at that point we were playing in a group at a store with a group at a store. We were all so excited. We were so excited for this raid to come on and there were like seven of us that day and we're like, oh all the other raids, this is gonna be really hard. We only have like five people playing because I think somebody had to like rate of paper or something. Like, oh, it's going to be so hard. We were done in 20 minutes. Pretty much yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was really depressing. Everybody's reaction was, uh, that that's it? <laughs> I think it's, I think it would have been a great first rate. I think it's good for new players. Mm -hmm. So, like, if those mechanics had been used for Onyxia, I think that would be fine. Uh, I think being that it is Ice Brown and it's one of the most uh, lore-wise significant encounters in uh, World of Warcraft, I do think that it is a little uh, underwhelming. Yeah. I'll just say that. That's, that's, that's a very politically correct way to say it. Yeah, um, for that purpose, I think they could have chosen a number of other raids to do that same exact thing. Yeah. But given how much emphasis Blizzard has in general put on the Lich King and the Wrath of the Lich King expansion overall it seems to kind of stick out like a sore thumb with the way they handle it comparatively here. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, any other shout-outs, plugs, anything like that you want to say? Um, no, not right now. I, I might want to ask you guys about coming back on after we've had a couple of, like, kickoff meetings for the expansion development once I've got a full team together, and I might want to plug all of my happy new designer friendos. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely love to have you back on, or if any of those individuals want to come on the show to talk about it, what they can talk about, that is. 
Uh, we definitely love to have them on and pick their brains and hear yeah. what they have to say. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Logan, for coming out. We really appreciate it. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Join us next time for more Random Thoughts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Random Thoughts. I'm White. And I'm Husband. And today, we have Nathan Cole, the um, maker of a new and more awesome version of Fogmara. Yeah, I know you were very excited to I, get I Nathan on. I was very talk, excited. Talk about your girl. It's so, my girl. Uh, Nathan, you've been on the show before from last year. Uh, so, how's it going? <laughs> How did you feel about Gen Con? Any other random thoughts before we get into everything? Um, yeah, it's fun. Great. Good. I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, I did get exactly what I wanted it to do, so I'm really satisfied about that. Awesome. Yeah, there was, uh, maybe not a rumor, but there was a funny story that I'm sure we'll get into later on in the round with, uh, speaking of how your deck performed. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, sure. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, have you finally calmed down from the post-Gen Con insanity? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, it's... Yeah. So what, uh, aside from WoW, what else did your, comprise your Gen Con? Were you there all four days? Did you play a bunch of other stuff? Or... Uh, yeah, I was there all four days. Um, I, I try to demo as many games as I can, try, try out as many new games as I can. Um, uh, did some tournaments. Uh, I okay. played Shards of Infinity and Ascension a lot. Nice. Out of that new stuff, anything stand out to you? Yeah, I really like Cards of Infinity. Um, There was a game that I played called Policing Olympus. That it's like a social game where you like bid and steal money from each other. So that seemed pretty cool. Oh. You uh, piqued wife's interest since she is a uh, big Greco-Roman mythology nerd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know what? I'm allowed to be a nerd. That's what we're all here for. <laughs> well, that is very true, wife. So, uh, I guess enough with the small talk about other ancillary events. Let's dive into the main show. And so, uh, tell us a little bit about what you played. We, I know we've already said that it's Soul Drinker Bogmara, but there's definitely some interesting tweaks on this one. Uh, yes, yeah, so I played a Soul Drinker Bogmara that, by all appearances... It's just standard Bagmara. And then um, it can pull some, some tricks on you if you're not expecting it. Like, uh, it filtrated the center of the deck. So the entire idea is to flip your hero for free to deal shadow damage, play Twilight Vanquisher Nolan, like several of them, for free, and then filtrate, killing all of them, and then search your deck for, like, for a giant dude to come out. Yeah, and you had some uh, pretty nice giant dudes. Um, so you have Sarfang, you have Thrall, who is amazing, and I love it when he actually comes out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mazukan is also another fantastic one to come out. Yeah, something that I, like... I there's probably a few people out there listening who heard the name Mazukan in a competitive, competitively viable list and started having flashbacks. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Mazakon brings back both good and bad memories. And then there is a one of Nash, which is a personal pet favorite of mine in this list, which uh, the implications are obvious there, where it's, oh, um, I need to clear the board, just wipe it out. So in this sort of list, you naturally have, you know, the entire, or or virtually the entire inventory of allies available to you, because you can just go two to the mouth, Feltrade. What made you settle on those specific one-ups? So the one-ups, um, the one-ups were for the big turns. So like I have Starfang the Younger. Um, he's chosen because when you play him, you actually search your deck for location as well. And then you can put that into play. So it's like seven damage off the board or, you know, maybe two for a Feltrade, which is insane. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then Thrall Warship for the Horde is really great because he buffs up all your little guys. All your little horde guys, like 2-2, two, two. and then he brings back your best ally from your discard pile, which is just like, it's such a huge tempo swing. Yeah. Uh, especially when, when you can get a Mazakana or a Daybag off of that. Right. Which is uh, so insane. Yeah. 
And so, um, yeah, Mazakhan's obviously to put more pressure on, and it's like a, it's a really hard to remove ally against anything but Warlock. Right. So, he just keeps going and going and going. Right, yeah, and so the, it's funny, like, the way that I got to this deck uh, was really kind of counterintuitive. Like, I actually was starting in Monster Warlock Rogue, trying to make Balanced Hellfire work. Really? Wound I gotta up. hear this story. <laughs> yeah, so I wound up, like, so first I was doing that, and it, I, like, my main goal was to just have, like, a strong match against aggro decks, like Blue Hunter, uh, Demon Warlock, Magmara, you know, all the weenie decks that just try to rush you out. I was just trying to have a good match against those. Uh, and so, eventually, I actually, you know, once Monster started, you know, failing the test, I went to Blue, I had the fun idea to make Feltrade work with all of the, uh, the Night Elf Haste guys. Ooh, okay. trade works by their cost. Right. So if I say have like the seven cost haste for, um, you know, whatever dude, suddenly that's just only two cards to search your deck for anything that costs seven or less. Um, unfortunately, though, the uh, Night Elves just weren't very strong. Well, they are Alliance, so I mean, what's it going to do? <laughs> they do have an inherent drawback. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I had a similar thought. We'll get into it later, but I kind of a lot of the things you're suggesting. Well, not the rogue part, but where you ultimately ended up and that blue idea are definitely things that have you know I've scribbled down lots of lists about. So it's it's cool to see that someone else is trying the same sort of ideas. Yeah, like I'm just trying to get to new space that hasn't really been done yet, but it's really hard to do that and also make it work competitively. Yeah. Right. Well, there's there's a lot of unknowns, but Feltrade is a card that quite clearly has a very high ceiling for power level. It can yeah. do some really wild things. Yeah, um, as we'll, as I'm sure, talk about when we talk about the actual tournament. Uh, right. Yeah, it's led to some wild things for sure. <laughs> so did you go directly from the blue version right into this, or did you bounce around a little bit after the Night Elves? So yeah, after the Night Elves, actually, so I went to red. Um, just figure Red Warlock is already so strong. It already has so many, like, just great cards. Like, Hezriana, you know, Broderick, mm-hmm. Mazakan, just so many great cards. Um, but it's hard to make it, you know, not work. And so I was actually going to this, um, a little bit clunkier version, trying to do Balance Hellfire in Red. Okay. And so what I do is, like, combo combination with Death Deer, so Death Deer could, like, take all my friendly damage. And they would just all die. But, you know, it was just too slow. And so then I started working with Feltrade and, and Red Warlock, kind of with the same shell with the Undead, with, like, Death Deer and uh, whatever the three-cost Will of the Forsaken Girl, where she draw a card and kill a people. Oh, uh, Savandra? Savandra, yes. So it was working with those, with Feltrade, but, like, Will of the Forsaken doesn't like Feltrade at all. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of a non-bo. <laughs> Two are not compatible, obviously. Right. Uh, and so, the entire reason I was going undead was because, um, you know, Undercity you can try to heal some damage, uh, Death Deer can soak some damage up, and so it'll give you a little bit more survivability if you're in-game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just really found it underwhelming against a lot of decks, like Blue Hunter it couldn't hold up against very well. Um... And so from there, I had the, that, this is where the brilliance came in. So I was going to switch to Bagmara, but still keep it the same Feltrade deck, and then rely on other people's misconception of my deck, mulligan their hand wrong, and then I will win because I have more sustain in the, in the end game through my mid-range game package. And that's, I mean, a, that's a very viable strategy. Um, yeah, not yeah. for this game, but for one of the other games we played at Gen Con, that was totally my strategy. I like had one hero that people had only ever seen one type of deck for before, and I was yeah. just like, no, never mind, it's actually an aggro, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah, the mind games you can, can play with that sort of thing are fantastic. Yeah. And it's definitely interesting to see that sort of strategy come out. Right. It was really funny. Uh, I think it was just round round two of the tournament. I was playing Woodrow, playing Red DK, and so game one, 
you know, we weren't really either, either of us doing anything. Like, he had obviously drawn against an aggro deck, but his cards were, you know, just sitting in his hand. Um, and so then I played Tuscar Kite in the board, and he, like, literally, like, looked at me and then looked down at the board, picked it up to make sure that he was reading the card, right? <laughs> Like, this is in Bagmar, what are you doing? Yeah, what is, what? it's like, wait, wait, this seems strange in this list. Something is not right. Wait, you mean this isn't a Broderick with just, like, custom Tuscar Kite artwork? Yeah, exactly. And, like, right then I knew that it worked. Yes. That was ultimate validation. That, that's fantastic. So, yeah. while we're on the subject, tell us a little bit about how the event as a whole went down. Oh, yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. Um, of course, it's always fun when you win. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so, I played two events in round one. Yep. You're playing a really cool hero that I love dearly, the Scourge, was it Zucraj or something? Yeah, Zucraj. Yeah, yeah Zucraj, the Shaman Equipment Druid Abilities. Yep. Yeah, love it. Um, so, yeah, I played you in round one, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I played I played Woodrow in round two. He's playing the Red DK, and right. obviously won. Uh, I played Phil Stacy in round three, so he was playing Blue Hunter. Um, and fun fact of the day, I actually went 6-0 in all three matches. Ooh, nice. I didn't lose the game in the Swiss at all. Wow. I was on a roll. I so how was, did that Blue Hunter... Oh, go ahead, wait, no, sorry. I was, was going to say, I was like, that, that's always like, you know, a fun momentum to ride. Yeah, it is. It was, definitely. So I didn't realize that there was another... Blue Hunter, although now that you had said it, I realized that I think I saw that in the deck. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. But, uh, so how did that matchup play out? Because round one, when we played, I definitely, so game one, I think I fell into the same trap, but it wasn't quite as obvious. So Mm -hmm. I felt the same trap being, I expected regular Bogmara, and then I went, wait a minute, there's something not right here. And then game two, I remember just dying like nothing happened uh you already told us a little bit about how it went with woodrow so what happened in your round three? Oh yeah so round three was uh was actually a little bit comical to be honest sorry phil <laughs> <laughs> so basically every card that i drew in both matchups was exactly what i needed for the matchups um so i had like early like blood soul into lesson of the nether and so I, like, picked apart his curve a little bit so we wouldn't have to, like, I think in, the, in game one, let's see. So we had a Lady Bancroft on the board right off the table. Right on, right on the table. Um, I put down Blood Soul, and then I uh, lessened the nether for free, removed Ashnar from his hand. He had uh, two, two Envoys of Mortality and Edwin and something else, like an Avatar of the Wild or something. Okay. Um, and so, like, I just kind of picked apart his strategy piece by piece until he had no cards in his hand and I was drawing cards. Um, and it seems like so a was, pretty pretty viable strategy at that point. Yeah. Um, and the best thing I like about my deck is that it's aggro enough to compete with aggro decks, like one for one, and then um, in the mid game, kind of. Uh, gain card advantage and steal the win. Yeah, it definitely seems like it would be one of those things like you can stall just about, you can prob- pretty much stall just about anybody out and be like, oh no, yeah, I got an answer, I have an answer, I have an answer. Right. Okay, here's yeah. an even bigger answer. But you also have some great top decks because True. whether you, if you go mid-long and draw a Mazukon or you draw a Feltrade to go get a Mazukon, it doesn't really matter. Mazukon's still on the table. That's true. Um, but Feltrade can still be invaluable. Um, like I think I used this against you. Is Daydeck, Feltrading a Daydeck into another Daydeck is my favorite thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that seems pretty good. Yeah, you immediately deal, like, you know, what, six, eight damage to their face, heal yourself for the same, and then put that damage right back on the board. Right. It's just nuts. Um, that's backbreaking against aggro. Yeah. So, so we'll talk about the Woodrow uh, final round amazingness in a minute. But was there, so I know you said you like Daydak into Daydak, and we know Peltrade, but was there like 
an underrated MVP card that you think really carried the day? Um, let's see. I think Signed in Blood actually carried the day a little bit for me. Really? Uh, yeah, Signed in Blood as well as. I actually didn't. I didn't play Nash or see Nash the entire day, uh, which is so interesting. Um, yeah, I would say either Sign of Blood or Scourge of Lordaeron as well for my side deck. Like though, I think those two also helped win some games for me. So when did you board in Scourge of Lordaeron? Um, I, let's see. I think I did against you because you had some kind of graveyard shenanigans with. Uh, with the Death Knights, right? And then I did against uh, Woodrow because he has Undercity and things like that. So I would sign in Blood and Undercity when I could, or move his deck from the game so he couldn't start healing by killing his own allies. Makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. that's uh, Spirit of Lordaeron is also very important against Spider Salisera, which I was expecting to see at least one of. But right. Speaking of not seeing things, since Spider Solitaire, I don't believe made an appearance at all. Uh, were you very worried about Warlock coming in? Because I think a lot of people that are going to look at the list and go, oh, well, I'll just has Rihanna his stuff. Right. Uh, honestly, has Rihanna was a dead card for me against a lot of Woodrow's deck. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's one one uh, uh, warning, I suppose. Like, it doesn't work against Death Beer. It doesn't work against, like, Garage, really, because it's, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. kind of sad if you has Rihanna Garage. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I would say Dedek is my MVP as well as yeah, Scourge Lordaeron and Sign of Blood. Nice. So it, for sure. on the other end of the spectrum, is there anything that you would want to change or or if you had to do it all over again? I oh, mean, oh yes, definitely. Oh, um, sure. Go ahead. I think now that you know the kind of the jig is up, so I don't have to worry about. Uh, people already know what I'm doing at this point. Mm-hmm. They're going to play me and be like, oh, you're playing aggro. Um, so at this point, I think I would just take it just a mid-range, full mid-range. Okay. Uh, so like remove Nash, maybe put in another Mazakan, um, remove Starfang, maybe put in Garage. Um, yeah, maybe definitely another Tuskar Kite and maybe another Quest as well. Okay. So you're not going to do the whole mind, the like huge mind game, and then just play straight up regular Bogmara instead? Really mess with people? <laughs> right. That's classic, the double fake. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, did, how did you feel about uh, Sarfang in the actual tournament? Because, so, alright, so on a slightly different note, he was one of my favorite cards when I first started out the game. Oh, yeah? And I would, like, organize my whole play around playing Sarfang, which got me killed more times than I could possibly tell you. Oh, right. Um, but, like, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm totally gonna just wait because I like him so much and hang out and, oh, wait, I'm dead before I actually get to play him. Um, so how did you feel like he actually played out day of? I think I only played him in one game. Okay. Uh, so he was... I think he would be something I would, I would remove from the deck because he's not, he's kind of situational. He's like the, the card you want when you're going to finish the game or yeah. make a really big trade or something. But really, Mazakon does the same thing for less less cards. Right. This is true. So. It, it does, unfortunately. I mean, there are advantages because you can go tutor for the four cron and it essentially draws you a card, but. It it's a little sad looking back on it, as wife was saying, he was such a big component of the game around his release. And that then he, he just died and never came back. Well, I mean that's kinda of what happened to him in the game. But uh he came back for a little bit. But it's just as you said, Mazukan and other more modern cards seem to have outclassed him in most respects anyway. For sure. And um Woodrow was playing Garage, which was Unexpected for me. I didn't realize how aggressive his deck could be. Right. Um, but and so I, I was thinking about replacing him with Garash because Garash is either you deal with it or you you lose. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely closes the game out in short order. Right. Especially with uh, the other 
cord guys that I have. Mm-hmm. Well, so not to draw, we'll draw back to the the big final moment. Um, yeah, so speaking we, of Woodrow, so yeah, how did, we got Woodrow's half of the story. How? What are your your half of the story for the finals? Game one. Okay, let's see. So game one, I'm trying to remember what happened. So I remember game two and three really well. Okay, so game one, um, it got to the point where we were, you know, kind of trading damage. Um, we were trading cards against our Tuscar kites. Like, he burned away mine. I would uh, talisman of the horde his. Um, and so we got to the point where it was like turn nine or ten or something. He laid down two Death Spears onto the board. And I had a, like a Hezriana, uh, a Daydeck. And so, I was thinking really hard about where to attack with my day deck. Uh, and he's like, you should just attack my hero. <laughs> and I, I thought about it and was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Nice. Um, and I wasn't sure like until afterwards if he was like trying to like convince me to do it because that's what he would want me to do. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the two death beers. Um, he could, you know, distribute the damage pretty easily, but I would still heal eight. Right. Yeah. So I think that's what he didn't want to happen. And so then the next turn, he like he traded one of his small allies into one of my other small allies. So I was like, okay, he doesn't have fatal. This is this is fine. I'm I'm great. And he played a quest, completed the quest, and then played the Mazakan that he drew from the quest. So <laughs> top decking like, for the win. Yeah. Uh, like the damage totals were very very close though. Right. Um, where, yeah, so if I had, like, attack with my data and then the data could die during my turn, I would have won the game. But I didn't have a way, like, a fell trade or anything to activate it. Um, wow. And so uh, Shadow Thing Keep is another card that I think might be good in this deck for the time to smooth the transition from, like, back from the beginning turns to the mid-turns. I have to so, dig... You guys. Yeah, I'll have to see if maybe I can... Uh dig my list out from WoW TCG browser if it'll actually let me log in one of these days. Yeah, you're fine. And, uh, <laughs> because they, speaking of Shadowfang Keep, not to distract you from telling the story about the finals, there are, yeah, there's a lot of potential in that card, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Especially yeah. since you've got a lot of wimpy guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hezegrana, you don't really need to keep around all the time. Right. Even things as simple as Cairn Tokens, where it lets you accelerate into an early Daydak, and then Activate data sort right. of things yeah. if, you, if you really wanted to. Exactly, yeah. But in any case, so, so that was game, game one. Yeah, so game two. Okay. So game two. So I'm a little bit taken aback. So I'm like, okay. Uh, so I draw, and it's just the nuts. It's literally the god hand. <laughs> like, it's crazy. So I drew, what did I draw? I drew like a. I had a fell trade, two Twilight Vanquish and Nolans. I think the, uh, it was either Bloodsoul or the war, the Monster Warlock 2 drop. Okay. Um, I think it was the Monster Warlock 2 drop. Um, and then I think like a Lessons of the Nether or something. Or no, no, I didn't have that. Never mind. Uh, and so I had just looked at Woodrow and I said, I think I got this game. <laughs> See, I mean, call it out like it. Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah, and so the way that I played about Mara flip, like normally it's just like flip one, dump your hand, I'm aggro, you know. Right. Like I play it, I play it only when I can either combo off or if I need to defensively. And it's like a Magni token or something. And so I saved and I flipped on turn three. I dropped two Twilight Vanquisher Nolans from my hand. And then Fel traded those two at Twilight Vanquish Nolans into a Thrall, working for the Horde. And then when he enters play, he puts the Horde ally from Discard Pile into your hand. So I put the Twilight Vanquish Nolan that I sacked back into my hand, played it on the board. So I have like, yeah, so I have, oh yeah, so I have a Blood Soul, the, the Warlock, the two drop monster, Thrall, and Nolan. 
and Blitzel and no one have plus two to attack in, that, in health. That sounds fantastic. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you close out a game on turn three in style. Yeah. <laughs> that? So I had literally, like, what? An absurd I, amount of damage on yeah, the board? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> like, essentially um, lethal, or, no matter who you're playing. So you were going first, I assume, right? I was going first. So he's going into turn three, staring down three or four allies that are all at least 5-4, or I guess Blood Souls of 4-5, or bigger. Yeah, there, there's really not very many ways out of that, because I don't think he would even live to see a Despair of Winter. If he was running them, which I don't think he was. <laughs> well, he was running one of the few ways to counteract it. Okay. So he said, when I, when I passed the turn, he's like, oh, so you know I don't, or what about the corpse explosion? Right. My heart just went, uh. <laughs> <laughs> not going through this in the slightest. Hey, if you have that hand, I you think you go anyway. for it and just say, okay, if you got it, you win. Right. The difference would be that I would have um, chosen Mazakan instead of Thrall. Because Mazakan can just, you know, he'll get there in more in fewer turns, or longer turns, but he'll still be really hard to remove. And that's fair. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, but, but I, I kind of, I went went all in for it. It was, it was great. Well, since the finals went to a game three, it obviously worked out for you. Right, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so game three was... Challenging. Uh, my mulligan. So I think I paid for my god hand by my next hand deck. My <laughs> next match. So your deck went literally all in on game two. Yeah, it was like <laughs> so. I my first hand I had like a one and two drop. I had like three or four quests. It could have worked. And then I mulligan. And then I had like a day deck, like a had something like three and fours, but no ones and twos. Ouch. So my deck cannot. Do no ones and twos. Like, yeah. it just can't. Okay, um, I like, feel like it's hard for almost any decks in the current format to do anything without one or twos. Well, yeah. <laughs> the way things are going. But anyway, sorry. Oh, no, no problem. And so it got to the point where, you know, I had decent cards in my hand. Like, I had a couple of other things with Renolans, uh, Hezriana, Banished uh, the Nether. But I could just never like find the right time to use them, or like they're just dead in my hand because he wasn't like playing cards as fast as you know he was playing cards as slow as me. So right, yeah, yeah. But I just couldn't really find the advantage, and so he finished it off with Garage. It's a really good game. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the end of it there, and it just it was intense. I wish that the we could have gotten a a stream or at least a recording of the finals in its entirety because A, that game two would have made anybody's eyes go wide. But Correct. also the series as a whole, I think would have been really good because they were great games. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely were. And uh, the one thing, the Woodrow's deck is very well paired against my deck because my deck pretends to be mid-range, but his deck actually is mid-range. And so eventually, he's going to be drawing the bigger and better allies, and I'm just going to be drawing one drops, you know? Right. So his, his deck was very well matched up against mine. Yeah. And that's something on paper I probably would have said going in that he had a slight advantage, unless, of course, you know, you hit the nuts multiple games in a row or multiple games in the series. So right. going forward, you talked a little bit about the changes. Do you Would you suggest people to try this deck out? Is it something that, well... You do it once just to experience it, get the nuts, and okay, I've had my fill, or is this a deck that you think has staying power and we may see it next year? Honestly, uh, this deck is a lot of fun to play. Um, I will say that it's very hard to side deck because every card originally already has a purpose. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a lot of fun. Um, even if you go like... Uh, so I got... A lot of inspiration in this deck from my friend Matt Birch, who was, was from the Indie Crew back in the day. Um, so he had a deck that was straight aggro, but also ran without trade. Okay. Okay. So um, it can it can be done that way as well. 
Like mine's mid range. You could probably go even more mid range and still work with the foul trade. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely a deck to try. Awesome. Well, so are you thinking you're going to try this again next year or you have new brews up your sleeve? Which leads me to the next thought, but we'll get there for in a second. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do a new deck for sure at Um I'd like to try something. Like I, I have to play something that's mine. Right. Like I'll consider this mine because I got to it in such an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, just the work that got me there. Um, yeah, it's definitely an odd story to say you started with that rogue build and ended up here. Like, that's a wild transition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot of, it was a fun, fun path to tread. Um, but I'm still interested in treading those paths, like other places. Like, right. yeah. Yeah. And that's I'm fair. Explore a lot of different, more different decks. So I'll probably play different, something different next year. So, um, I don't know if you caught my, like, subtle clue as to the next question but um so how did you feel about the monk deck or how do you feel about the monk deck going forward and then you're also one of our people working on the new set is that correct uh yeah i am playing work with, with logan and everybody on that um That's I, exciting. <laughs> I have i let's see i haven't actually seen the, the monk cards in action yet i've mostly just you know, peruse the the files. Um, so I haven't actually played against month or played month rather. Um, so I can't say about that. Um, I will say the cards are interesting for sure. Now, was it so? Based on your answer, it sounds as though that it wasn't really in the cards, so to speak, when you were preparing for this year's Gen Con. You were kind of working on this idea and were going to follow it through one way or the other. Um, yeah, basically, like. Monk just hasn't really been in my gauntlet yet. Um, probably because I've not seen it in action or in, you know, top lists or whatever. Right. Um, but it was kind of disappointing that no one actually played the Monk cards this year, too. It was a little surprising that nobody did. It, I was at least expecting, uh, oh God, now I'm not going to remember the name of it. It's the, uh, the recursion ongoing that's one of the talents. Oh, I'm not sure the name is. So basically, the and you may already know which one I'm talking about. It's the one where when it comes out, you can activate it, and then you recur everything with cost equal to the counters. So there was a, some ideas going around where people were, I think it's a three cost, so you could say Vacus or Dagax early on, and then just recur them again later in the game. So there were, there were some aggressive builds being talked about on that end. And then I personally wanted to see either something specifically with Chen, just for the sake of it being Chen, or, you know, I had a bunch of pet cards that I really got attached to, even though I had nothing to do with the set. <laughs> so moving forward to the, uh, that you're going to be participating in the new set, any spoilers that you can give us an early update on, or are you still too early, or you haven't really dove in yet? Um, yeah, we haven't really dove in yet. I'm, so there's no spoilers to give, honestly. <laughs> That's fine. I have some ideas of where I would like the, the you know, design to go, but we haven't really started yet. Okay. Is there anything that you personally want to try and sneak in, or you want to keep that on the DL until you actually get into it? Well, I mean, I, I can give you my opinions. Um, like, I think that Monster needs to be focused on a little bit more. Yay. Uh, <laughs> I think that there, there could probably be a way to get some cards and some new strategies to classes that, um, you know, are less played and try to revitalize the metagame through that. Um, you know, I think that we should be focusing on just new areas to explore that haven't been explored yet. Like new deck archetypes, new uh, play types even. Makes sense. As well as, um, you know, uh, supporting the existing archetypes as well. Right. Yeah. I think there's definitely a lot of design space that can be explored, both entirely new things as well as 
standing on the shoulders of the old things because there were a lot of loose threads both from the Upper Deck era and the Cryptozoic era that for sure. Like I'd love to revisit some of the old keywords, like um, like the drums block keywords with four stop and yeah, just yeah. like that. Or I'd like to revisit the scourge allies. Like, I think that could be those hand to hand prove. Sounds um, exciting to me. Yeah, like new hero combinations, like either classes or. For some reason, we were we were out for a walk today earlier. And I don't know why, but the entire time I had in my head the idea of a, a DK Hunter dual hero, and I don't know why. That could be cool. I love it. Like, just, I mean, there are a whole bunch of combinations that presumably would have... It was like a nice day. We were taking a... And you're thinking about a DK... I, I, I'm always thinking about WoW. I like, like, always thinking about the WoW TCG. I wanted ice cream. Yeah. We didn't get ice cream. And well, ice cream, cold, and then death nights. No, and then de- no. See, now I know you were thinking about that, and that's why I didn't get my ice cream. You're on your own. Anyway. So, yeah, there, like we were saying, there's definitely a lot of design space to be explored on all sort of fronts, so I'm excited what the team comes up with. And hopefully we'll get the, get spoiler season. I wonder if uh, how... Logan's going to want to do it, whether he's going to do actual spoiler season or he's just going to dump all the files. I mean, personally, I would love to see the whole set at once, but either way is fine with me because it's fun getting excited about this stuff again. Yeah, spoilers are, spoilers are really exciting. Like, I haven't been excited for spoilers in such a long time. Right. But it's such a cool feeling, like, yeah, just getting a one, set, one card at a time. Yeah. Slow trickle. So, um, I guess to wrap it up, do you have any props, shout-outs, anything you want to add? Um, definitely shout-outs to Woodrow for kicking my butt. Um, shout-outs to, shout-outs to Will for putting on great tournaments. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir, very much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. And of course, shout outs to you for hosting such a wonderful podcast. Uh, <laughs> Thank <yeah>. you. <laughs> um, and we definitely want to try and get you back on once we get farther into the design season, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. And get your thoughts then, or you know, maybe at the end if, if you guys want to wait until everything's we, already locked down. Once we finally chill out from Gen Con recap. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it won't take us till November this year, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Have a wonderful night, sir, and everybody join us next time for more Random Thoughts. So for all other things Random Thoughts, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. At our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com, you can now find us on Facebook under the tag of Random Thoughts. Or find us on Twitter at RandThoughtPod. That's at R-A-N-D ThoughtPod. And please feel free to reach out to us on Gmail at RandomThoughtsPodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.